Mitchell and Webb Sound, starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb, with Olivia Coleman and James Barkman. Yes, well, I suppose I've always been quite shy, and I know that's part of the reason why it's hard for me to meet ladies. Well, that's your first problem. Don't say ladies. That's the name of a loo. They're women, girls, chicks. If you're lucky, babes. Sorry, yes, I really must change myself. I I find it difficult to talk to babes or chicks, and it might be because I'm shy, as I say, but I know it's also my fault for being somehow weird and you're going to cure me. Well, you're right, Neville. That's what we do here on Would Like to Be Normal. We take people like you, who are just a little bit too different for comfort, and trade in all your weirdo eccentricities for a bunch of lamentably effective dating clichés. Please do that to me. Now, let's meet your crack love-style team. I'm Greg Mao. I'm the chairman of the panel. This is Craig, who's going to help standardise your body language. Hi, Neville. I want you to think of me as a kind of older brother figure. And to trade in your clothes for a load of normal stuff from Gap, this is Polly Pot. You can call me Pol. Have you got that, Neville? Uh, I think so, yes. It's Chairman Mao, Big Brother and Pol Pot. And and you're going to help me to stop being me. That's right. So, the jacket you're wearing now, did your mum buy that? No. Right. Because, you see, it's different from all the jackets other people are wearing. Look around you, do you see? You're causing alarm. (laughs) So, try this on. Oh, it's a bit... Just put it on. Oh, God. I I don't think it really suits you. Well, try harder. Well, it's two weeks later, and it's time for Nebo's big test. We've got him invited just this once to the sort of party that we go to, and we're going to see if Nebo will be accepted by some half-decent woman who's in something normal like PR or new media, or publishing at least. So, remember Nevo. Uh, Neville. No, Nevo! I'm glad you're trying to be assertive, but don't try that on me, because it's just a trick which I taught you. Sorry. Deep down, you're still a frightened little public schoolboy dressed up in clothes bought for you by a TV company. <laughs> at midnight, this all turns to pumpkin cinders. You've been so kind. <laughs> Remember, Neville, this is just the start. You've got a plan long term, like five years, a five-year plan. This is just the beginning of a giant leap forward. Now, over in the corner is an OK-looking media consultant called Julia. You're going to go over and chat her up. Right. And you're not allowed to sneak out after 20 minutes. I I know. Once I've joined the party, I must be loyal. The party is my life. I love the party. Very good. (laughs) Now go do it to Julia. So, Mr Hawkins, how can lovely, smiley finances help you? Uh, I I need a loan pretty badly. I've got into a bit of trouble with credit cards and CCJs and the mob. And I I saw your advert on TV, the one where all the people with bad credit are in black and white sitting in the gutter crying. And, And then the sun comes out from behind the cloud with our logo on it and it beams down on the people and they all become rich and start laughing and get to be in colour. Yes, indeed. It's won several awards. Yes. So anyway, I thought maybe I should come to you. A wise decision. But we here at Lovely Smiley Finances hate to talk about loans without getting to know our prospective customers as people first. So, so let's make some totally unconnected small talk. I'll go first. What's your house like? Um, well, we're happy there. Mm-hmm. Get on well with the landlord? No, we own it. Great. Now let's talk about the loan. <laughs> What we can do for you is take on all your pesky little debts and consolidate them. Oh, good. Does that mean make them smaller? No, but it does mean more consolidated. 
<laughs> what, what does that mean? Well, it sounds a bit like console and a bit like solid. So you could argue it means something that sounds reassuringly technical, but also is both sympathetic and stable. <laughs> is that what it means? That's what it sounds like it means. <laughs> w- what does it mean? It means all put together. Into one big debt? One handy, easy-to-keep-track-of debt, yes. But I don't really understand how that helps me. Do you knock a bit off when you've put it all together or something? Well, in a manner of speaking, we do. You see, once we've consolidated your debt against the value of your house, we can give you a lump sum, cash in hand. Sorry, what was that? Yes, cash in hand. (laughs) No, the bit bit you said really fast. A lump sum cash in hand? No, uh, against the value of my house? Oh, that, yeah, well, that's just legal mumbo-jumbo. I wouldn't worry about that. I'd just concentrate on the lump sum, cash in hand. For a new car or a family holiday. Or to pay off some of the debt with. Uh, yes, technically. Or a family holiday. <laughs> to Florida. And you just give me this money, free? We add it onto your debt, yes. So, doesn't that make my debt bigger? Mr Hawkins, you can sit here going through all the ins and outs of this with me, or you can walk out of here with a lovely warm feeling that it'll all somehow be all right. <laughs> and... And 800 quid in your fist. Which do you want? The second one. (laughs) Oh, and that's a bad miss. (laughs) Well, young Mark Deacon will be very sad to have missed that blue, but hopefully not as sad as he was about six months ago. Yes, indeed. I I think the whole of Snooker was very much behind Mark in the terrible battle that he's had with his own personal demons. Yes, and I don't think Mark would mind it being known that he has, of course, sadly, tried to top himself twice. But then that's many fewer times than he's tried to get to the final of a ranking tournament. (laughs) And he hasn't managed that either. Yes, I think what you're tiptoeing around there, Ted, with typical grace and decorum, is that he's tried to top himself twice that we know of. There may well have been other times. I I fear there may well have. He is of a melancholic disposition. He's a a miserable sod, Ted, but, but there again, I think it was insensitive of Steve Davis to have said that to his face. That was cold. Yeah. In the middle of the dance floor, at the end of season bash, and Steve Davis, your childhood hero, is screaming at you, cheer the F up, you miserable C. I mean, that's gonna make almost anyone reach for the paracetamol. I wouldn't like it. Well, Her Majesty the Queen must be gratified to see so many people turn out on this, perhaps the most historic of all royal occasions. A very good-natured crowd, waving flags, cheering, a few jeers, that's only appropriate. In general, enjoying their recent victory over royalist tyranny. Slice up the parasite bitch, they were screaming as they stormed the palace just two weeks ago. They seem a lot more good-natured now in this lovely autumn sunshine. Her Majesty took the news of her conviction for crimes against the people with her customary grace and aplomb and a little of the dry humour which has characterised her gracious reign. (laughs) Her Majesty, as is traditional on such occasions, has eschewed the gold carriage and is being drawn towards Parliament Square as was, now the quadrangle of the people's bloody struggle, (laughs) on a wooden cart, which, which more befits the modern role the monarchy has to play in today's Britain the role of being executed. 
Now, we're lucky enough to have Jilly Goon here from Vogue, who's going to take us through the Queen's outfit. Yeah, well, the Queen's been very clever here in what she's picked out, presumably not from her full wardrobe, not in that cell. Um, she's chosen a lovely grey loincloth, which flatters the curves of her behind. And I love what she's done with her hair. It's a sort of careless, flyaway, unwashed look, which is so fashionable now since the crushing of bourgeois decadence. And the cart is now passing through the assembled ranks of the People's Revolutionary Guard, formerly the Household Cavalry. All of them throwing rotten fruit in perfect unison, and she now ascends the scaffold with the same unruffled dignity as when the Australian Prime Minister touched her on the arm. And there she goes, dissolved in acid... Not beheaded like her ancestor, Charles I, or shot like the rest of them yesterday. <laughs> a more modern monarchy then, and uh, an apt moment to reflect on this poignant mixture of the old and the new. The fervour appropriate to the start of the next thousand years of our great leader's merciful permanent revolution, and the pageantry which is surely something that we British still do best. <laughs> Good afternoon to you. Hello, can I help? Yes, now, I was wondering, if I give you the name of a book I'm looking for, can you tell me on your computer whether or not you have it? No. Oh, you can't? No, sir, this is a casualty unit. <laughs> oh, a hospital, I see. Sorry to have troubled you. Hello again. Could you put that bell away? <laughs> now, I was wondering, if I were to give you the name of a person I'm looking for, can you tell me on your computer whether or not you have them? What? This is the casualty unit, is it? Well, yes. I'd be much obliged. OK, what's the name? Hitler? No. <laughs> Nothing at all on Hitler. We've established this isn't a bookshop. Could be under M for Mandy. Mandy Hitler. My goddaughter. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll have a look. Uh, have you any idea when she might have been admitted? 1945? We don't have one. <laughs> you haven't checked. This isn't a bookshop. Don't do that. Anything on whaling, as in the animal? No. First World War? Stop it. I'm his uncle. No, you're not. Racist coins? Please leave. Brona Gallagher. Look, we, what was the name? I'll spell it. B-R-O-N-A-G-H. Yes, let me have a look. Uh, I do seem to remember... She was the short one in the commitment. OK. Not much stuff written about her. Right, give me that. You rang my bell. Yes, that sound means you've just left. Oh, I see. Well, thank you for all the trouble. Not at all. Goodbye. <laughs> Lucifer, the Prince of Darkness, and Lord of all hell, and I am come for your soul, pitiful mortal, that is called Adrian Butterfield. Ah, here you are. By the terms of the pact you made with me as a young man, you have enjoyed power and wealth throughout your mortal days, and now I am come for your soul. Yes, I, I wanted to talk to you about that, because while, strictly speaking, I have lived a life of power and wealth, it's all been indefinably unsatisfactory and sort of spiritually bleak, and so I'm not very happy about giving you my soul. <laughs> you see, this is the best bit for me. I love it when you people say that. Too late, Adrian Butterfield. You should have thought of that when you made the pact. Well, as a matter of fact, I did. What? Well, you remember, when we were making the pact, I asked if I could take it away for a couple of days, have a think about it, and maybe make a few cosmetic changes, and you said that was OK? Yeah. Well, I got my brother-in-law, Chris, who's a solicitor, to have a look at the pact. Right. And he suggested a few changes, which you initialed. Oh. Uh, did I? Yeah, yeah, you did. You just skimmed over it. I remember being quite surprised. 
So, I'd like to call your attention to this clause that Chris put into the pact that goes as follows. Furthermore, should Adrian Spencer Butterfield, hereafter to be known as the Pactee, in respect of the pact he hereunder enters into with the Lord Lucifer, former Archangel of God Almighty, Prince of Darkness, and Supreme Ruler of the Damned, hereafter to be known as the Devil, be in any way dissatisfied with the nature or psychological consequences of a lifetime of supreme worldly pleasures, material possessions, and mortal power, hereafter to be known as a bloody good time till you cop it, <laughs> then the said pact entered into shall be considered null and void, and the pactee's immortal soul shall revert to the said Adrian Spencer Butterfield or such parties as he shall herein under nominate. I skimmed over that. <laughs> I have to say, I think your whole operation smacks of complacency. Maybe pre-mass literacy, you're getting away with this sort of thing. Ooh, don't bother reading Satan's contract, it's written in posh. Stop it. <laughs> but, frankly, these days, it's the sort of root one, uncreative presentation of evil that puts me in mind of the film Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was a consultant on that. <laughs> oh, and that's a bad miss. Well, that's a very lucky chance for Mark Deacon, but... As usual, he approaches the table with, how does one put it, a face like a slapdass. <laughs> Have you ever seen that man smile, Ted? Only in his sleep, Peter. <laughs> Only in his sleep. Viewers may want a bit of background on that, Ted. Because, of course, I believe you were the one who foiled one of Mark's, how shall I put it, bids for oblivion, weren't you, Ted? I have that honour. It was during the Welsh Open. Mark had been knocked out that day by Stephen Lee, which is always an unprepossessing experience. <laughs> and I was making my way back to my room from the bar at about four in the morning. And as luck would have it, Mark had the room next to me in the hotel. And, and something had been up all week, because I could hear him late at night singing the snooker words to Lady in Red. That, that is a bad sign. I should, I should perhaps explain to viewers that there are some special snooker words to the pop song Lady in Red, which all of us in snooker know. There are. They're, 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 they're secret special snooker words to Lady in Red that, that we all know. The, the viewers are probably keen to know what the snooker words to Lady in Red are. But, unfortunately, we're all sworn to secrecy. Anyway, anyway, Mark's hotel room door... Mark's hotel room door was open, and, and I could hear water running. Had you had a drink? You know I had, Peter. And, and I think to this day, if I hadn't been incredibly drunk, I, I don't think I'd have had the presence of mind to deal with the situation. Because it makes you calm, alcohol, doesn't it? I get very calm on it. There have been nights when I've been discovered in bus shelters as calm as you please. We've, uh, we've both had some very calm nights over the years. Yeah, yeah. We... Anyway, you were on about that sad man. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I, I made him sick it all up, but he was inconsolable, kept going on about his queuing, which is far from perfect, but I didn't say that. You did right. And I remember... I just held him for hours and, until he stopped sobbing and, and managed slowly to drift off to sleep. Obviously, I had to wake him a couple of times to check it was sleep, but, which, which it was. That was very kind of you, Ted, especially with your back. It was murder, Peter, but, 
At least it wasn't suicide. <laughs> and after all that, look at him bugger up this frame. <laughs> I'll just start the tape running. Great. So, Mr. Holland. Call me Charlie. Charlie, you've been a successful film producer for many years now. What's the secret of spotting a star of the future? Well, that's a great question. Uh, really, it's an indescribable thing. Um, it's just that mysterious quality. Some people have it. Uh, they've got to have it. Right. It. So, how would you define it? It's impossible to define. That's its definition. Could you try? No. But I can tell you, Garbo had it, Cruz has it, Connery had it, but then lost it. Then he got it back, but not enough to reach the minimum threshold. So, it. R regular people can have it, too. Sure, yeah, yeah, I guess, maybe. Him, for example, he's got it. He does? The waiter? No, not that one, the other one. Although, actually, now I look, actually, they both have it. Both the waiters? Yep. And her, the woman on the table. The blonde? Yep, she's got it. Wow, that's remarkable. Yep. But what about him? Uh, the gentleman in the I like the Pope, the Pope smokes dope t-shirt. <laughs> yes, yes, he has it. And him? Yes. Her? Yes. Him? Um, yes. So, like, everyone here's got it? Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, let me see. Yes, yes, yes. Hold on. He doesn't have it. See, the guy in the hat, or the... Although, hold on, sorry, no, no, actually, now he's sat down, I can see, yeah, 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 he does have it. My God, my God, he's got loads, sorry. That they could all be major motion picture stars. Oh, yep, they've all got it. So, what, what about me? You. Have I got it? Uh, nope. <laughs> you haven't got it. But, what, the, the fat boy with a Metallica cap has got it, and I haven't. Look, I don't make the rules, either you've got it, or you haven't. Is there anything I could do to get it? Uh, you could get a wig. A wig? Yeah, um, that would give you a bit of it. Not real it, but, you know. So, what is it? It, it isn't just hair, is it? <laughs> well, I, I guess, yeah. You could say that's another word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Bogart, Bergman, Olivier, they all had it. Chewbacca, of course, wonderful. Absolutely <laughs> covered in it. Head to toe. Lovely. <laughs> Imagine a world where it hasn't rained for two years, where the land is so dry that no crops will grow, and where 30 years of war has left the people with nothing. Imagine living in a world where you have to walk for seven hours every day just to fetch clean water, where you have to look into your children's eyes and tell them there isn't enough to eat. Can you imagine? Can you? Subsistence Nomad 2, new for the Xbox. I mean, the important thing when writing a sports movie is not to get too bogged down with the so-called rules of the sport. Yeah, um, this was our first film writing project, and I suppose we didn't initially know where to start. I suppose we just started typing. Yeah, and, and luckily th there's this pop-up in Microsoft Word that says... It looks like you're trying to write a heartwarming British underdog movie. <laughs> Would you like some help? And, and then you just have to enter the character names and the context. So we put in Wimbledon, um, but then it said, there is already a heartwarming British underdog movie called Wimbledon. Are you sure you want to replace it? <laughs> so, so then we had to think again. In the end, we almost deliberately picked a sport that no one knows much about. Almost deliberately, because, as it turns out, some people know quite a lot about cricket. In a time past hope, in a world gone to crap, 
One man had an idea. Hey, look, lads. Look what I found. Calm down, Arthur. There's no point getting excited about anything. The steel mine's closed and we're on the scrap heap. It's official. <laughs> no, but look. Earn big pounds playing cricket. Well, it sounds fine, Arthur, but cricket, here in Yorkshire, don't talk soft. Did I hear someone say cricket? That's a word I haven't heard in a long time. What do you know about cricket? I only used to coach the Manchester United team the year they won the European Cricket Cup. But to us, you seem to be a mad old drunk. That's the other thing about me, as well as knowing about cricket. It was the ashes. I could have won them, but I bowled a wide. Into the ashes, you lot. Are you having a laugh? Why not? <laughs> Arthur's a dab hand with the silly mid-on, and Pete can do follow-ons like no-one's ever seen. Come on, let us enter. We've got stumps in us blood. Come on, lads, you've got to bat more. <laughs> But the bat's so narrow, it's perverse. First rule of cricket, never call the bat narrow. What the bat is, is very, very wide and very, very short. Wow. wow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 200th World Ashes Cricket Cup here at Wembley Stadium between West Germany and Postlethwaite Steel Batters from Postlethwaite in Yorkshire. The Postlethwaite team, very much the underdogs, of course, but anyone who saw them beat Yugoslavia at cricket in the semis by 400 wickets to seven runs <laughs> will know that they're not to be underestimated. And West Germany, famously a bunch of cheats. As ever. <laughs> now that it's half-time, we look as if we're about to lose. I want to tell you a story. I, I knew a young man who had a dream, a dream to win the Ashes. That young man was me, but he bowled a wide and became a drunk. So don't do that. <laughs> now it's your turn to be the team that stands in pairs with the bats rather than the ones in a sort of spread-out crowd chucking it around. So make the most of that. And remember, there's no such thing as a draw in cricket. Yeah! This summer, from the location manager of Billy Elliot <laughs> and the catering staff who brought you the full Monty comes a film to touch the child in all of us. But not in that way. In theaters this summer, the full number of overs that are scheduled to be bowled that day. And remember, lads, it isn't over until the full number of overs that are scheduled to be bowled that day have been bowled. Because sometimes it isn't over until the full number of overs that are scheduled to be bowled that day have been bowled. Opens June 25th. Oh, what a cracking pot. And still not even a flicker of joy on Mark Deacon's jowly death mask of a face. I mean, he must be pleased. I think he's one of those people who find it difficult to be happy. He thinks too much, Ted. That's his problem. I keep saying to him, Mark, don't go too far inside your head with the snooker. The soul is like a pocket. There's no coming out. Unless you're a colour or the white. <laughs> well, Peter, I... I know you won't mind me saying, and, and Mark certainly won't, that you've been a tremendous support to Mark over the last couple of years, especially that other time he took 200 pills. I picked up the phone, Ted, is all I did. I was there. I happened to be there. Mark rang me. Was it a call for help? 
In a way, it was, yes. What did he say? He said, help. <laughs> help me, Peter. My safety play is all to crap. I can't go on. And, and you were straight in the car and round there, weren't you, Peter? Just as soon as I got the swing ball in the boot, yes. <laughs> now, now, Peter, for those of us who don't know the story, explain the significance of the swing ball. Well, it was just a crazy notion I had that it might help relax him. I, I got him into the garden in the dark, playing swing ball, the tears streaming down his face, and I said to him, Mark, be honest, is this not better than being dead? <laughs> and what did he say, Peter? He said yes, Ted, and we played swing ball all through that long, dark night till the sun came up and things felt a little bit better. Anyway... Here's Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. <laughs> uh, hang on, we, we can't play songs. Who says? Ah, go on then. <laughs> oh, we must invite Maid Marian. Oh, Marian, yeah. Is she really a maid? No, but she seems to think that saying she is makes her attractive, which, seeing as she isn't, it presumably does. Oh, I've just had a thought. What? Well, if we invite Maid Marion, there's a chance she'll bring that git. Oh, God. What, the thief in the tights? <laughs> What's his name? Rob. Rob Hood. No, no, Robin. Don't call him Rob. He goes spare. It's, it's just one of the many things he's very tossy about. Oh, you're right. He's so up himself, isn't he? Turns up with all his bloody cronies, who he refers to as Merry, which is a euphemism if ever I heard one, because what they are is drunk. Yeah, on other people's booze, because they never bring any booze. In fact, when they leave, they take booze, claiming they're going to give it to the poor. Well, that's because they think we're the rich. That's their whole thing. Steal from the rich to give to the poor. We're not rich, we're just comfortable. Well, that's the problem with Robin. His policy on the comfortable is extremely unclear. And if you ask me, depends very much on whose party he's at and what booze they've got. Yeah. I mean, where does that guy get off? Going around dressed in that aggressively gay outfit, which is really hurtful to Marion, who clearly loves him for some reason. Well, he leads her on half the time. You know he tried to get her to have a threesome with him and the friar. Oh, he didn't. I'm surprised he could drag that friar away from the twiglets. The guy just hoovers up nibbles. But I remember at Tina's, Robin got into this row with her boyfriend who works in the city. Yeah, I think he just nicked his palm pilot and given it to little John, who immediately dropped it in his Guinness. That's right. Well, anyway, Robin starts going on about how he's giving something back because he runs an NGO. An NGO? I know. They're not an NGO. They're just a bunch of crooks and muggers. They sleep rough in the forest, or it used to be a forest before they filled it with litter. They stink of cider and mud and sex, and they just generally drive house prices down. <laughs> and they think that's somehow romantic. Anyway, Robin claimed that they were affiliated to Shelter. That's a lie. All he means is that that nice man from Shelter comes round once a week to give the friar his insulin. Is he diabetic? <laughs> yeah, type 2. Cider and Mars bars. <laughs> well, if there's any chance of Robin turning up, then I'm afraid we'll have to cross off the Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, no! But he always brings pate! <laughs> that Michelin Web sign starred Robert Webb, David Mitchell, Olivia Coleman, and James Barkman. It was written by David Mitchell and Robert Webb, Simon Kane, and John Finnemore. The producer was Gareth Edwards. Yeah.